0: Welcome back to another episode of Day Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football. This is Season 2, Episode 7, and we are finally in the G4 Claims Studio podcast. On the show with me today, it's Adam. Adam, how you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you,
1: Stefan. Yeah, in a, in a good place, despite drop points at the weekend for my team. So, other than that, I'm, uh, I'm all good. What about yourself, mate?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I've got a little bit of a sore throat. I'd... Uh, a couple of days in spain where i probably overindulged but um yeah i'm feeling slightly better all better for being in the g4 claims studio um speaking of g4 claims we need to do this keep
1: 100 of your claim g4
0: claims if you've been hurt in a road accident that wasn't your fault you should really talk to g4 claims first Unlike road accident solicitors, we don't charge you for our services, which could see you better off. To keep 100% of your compensation, have a chat with Nicole and the team. You'll be glad you did. Search online for G4 Claims.
1: Keep 100% of your claim.
0: G4 Claims. I like that advert. So do I. It's it's a cracker. Very catchy. I'll find myself going home here and being like... What's it's for one hundred percent of your claims. Yeah, um I love it. Um, okay, let's let's get into the action. Let's get into all the the stuff that happened at the weekend. Arguably there was only one team that were the winners of, of the weekend and that was probably Dundee United. Um let's start there. Dundee United beating crosstown rivals, Dundee. What well, what was your thoughts before the game just on did you have an expected sort of winner? Did you did you see how it would have went just
1: I guess this is a, a good place to kinda of cite my work with whoscored dot because obviously I do the Scottish Premiership previews and I actually did have United to beat Dundee one 0 here. Um because I just United are a weird one. Like last season I was dubbing them bipolar because um, I couldn't quite work them out, but I was discussing this with, it was Ryan McGinley actually that had said to me, so I won't his point, that Charlie Mulgrew has probably been one of the best signings of the Scottish Premiership season. I think he and Ryan Edwards are establishing a really good centre-half partnership. I think that Trevor Carson's a great backup goalie and filled in for the St Johnston win. Obviously, Benji Seacrest is back between the six now. Um, and the signing of Mulgrew, he looks as though he's the elder statesman to kind of drag a young United team through games. Um, So whilst I think that there's more to come in an an offensive sense for United, it certainly appears that they've tightened up defensively, and that always gives you a platform to, to go on and win games, given that, you know, how many times have you seen it where, even in derbies, it can come down to a penalty, a set piece, um, your opponent getting sent off, whatever these sort of one-off circumstances um, but it's a great goal from Ian Harks.
0: Yeah, it, it was a really fantastic finish from him um, Poor defending from, from Dundee um, When you see, I, I don't know who the player was But he knocked the ball out when it came to his feet And it just fell right to the feet of Hark. So um, a good goal, but, but poor defending um, Dundee's start to the season They've, they've had a quite a decent start They obviously bet Rangers um, a couple of weeks <coughs> ago So they've, they've had a good start And beating Dundee just surely caps that off now
1: yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's funny that they've only scored three goals, I think, in the league. Yet they've amassed, I think, it's nine or ten points <laughs> with three one 1-0 wins, obviously over Rangers, like you say, St Johnston, and now um, Dundee. So it's um, look. I mean, you're gonna. It's such a cliché to say that you take a one 0 win every week, but at the minute, that's all that United can seem to muster. So if they can, perf- <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I think if there's more to come. Mm and they've yet to hit their maximum, then that's very encouraging that they can still grind out these one nil victories and hopefully it gives them a, a platform for success.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely encouraging. <coughs> um so Dundee set bottom for at the league, is is this surprising to you or did you sort of foreshadow that? Um
1: no it's somewhat surprising to me. Um I don't think that obviously the results have gone their way at the weekend whatsoever but I think they need only look at the difference between them and the rivals across the street. Um, because Dundee, despite being managed by a former defender, have seemingly always leaked goals under James McPake. And they've been consistently, you know, poor at the back throughout his tenure. Mm. And despite being on the end of a one-nil defeat, you could probably argue that their firepower is better than United's. But when you're as poor defensively, you, you're always giving yourself that mountain to climb, aren't you? So, for me, there are a few defensive signings away from being solid, but until they arrive, I think they always look vulnerable. And you said it you know, you look at the winner on Sunday. How much space do you want to give Peter Pollitt on the edge of the box? Mm. Nicky Clark's got a couple touches, but okay, you've intercepted. And as you rightly said, I think it's Liam Fontaine that looks to clear. Yeah. But ultimately, it's, it's poor and Harks picks up before, before slamming home. I know that there's question marks surrounding the goalkeeper. To me, he gets a hand on it, and I think it's a decent enough strike, but I can see why the questions arise with regards to the goalkeeping situation and keeping out, you know, Hark's effort, which ultimately proved the match winner.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Dundee, um, you we speak about their defensive frailty um, and how they, they don't have, in essence, what Dundee United have with Charlie O'Grew, but... It does and I'm going to shoot this question right out because it's just came to me but should the addition of Lee Griffiths not help Dundee more in that sense? It should
1: because mm. ultimately he's a, he's a match winner on his day but how frequently has his day came in the last few years? Mm. Uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Lee Griffiths. I think when fully fit, there's nobody better around but like I say, there's only so much that he can do. Mm. Jason Cummings has obviously chipped in with a couple goals. Killian Sheridan hasn't quite hit the heights of the aforementioned other two. Um, and, like I say, uh, once they cut out these individual errors and s- overall sloppiness at the back, then eventually it's only a matter of time before they pick up points because of the quality that they've got in the final third with, you know, Griffiths, Cummings, Paul McMullen, Luke McCowan, whoever.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, let's let's move on from the, the Dundee derby then and go to... Aberdeen versus St Johnston. Now, on my notes, I've put it down that Aberdeen have won 1-0. Obviously, that's not the case, so I'm glad I spotted that. Um, St Johnston won 1-0. Um, a, a big win for Callum Davidson's side. It puts them into eighth, just below Aberdeen, but on goal difference, mainly. Um, how big a win is that for St Johnston?
1: Massive. It's a massive win for St Johnston. and I think it's made... All the more sweeter for Stevie May. Um, I would noticed that's his fiftieth St Johnstone goal, and fifty goals for any club in this modern day is a, a fantastic feat. Um, and obviously, given it didn't work out at Aberdeen exactly the way that he'd have hoped, um, he'll be you know delighted with that. I noticed the cupping of the years in celebration. I'm a big fan of that. Um,
0: I'm a big fan of that. It reminds me of um, Emmanuel Adebayor. Uh, for City <laughs> against Arsenal but he runs Prince. the full length yeah, yeah. of the field and I, I'm a big fan of that always have been I hate when players g- leave a club and then go to a new club and then they face the old club and they don't celebrate like Jesse Lingard for United
1: Liam uh, Boyce at the weekend
0: yeah exactly like. just just celebrate it enjoy it soak it in you've, you've stuck it to your rivals I'm, I hate the sportsmanship nonsense the same goes for when you kick the ball out. If somebody's injured, and then you have to give them it back. No, don't give them it back. <laughs> Keep it. Do it. Do what Shakhtar did in the Champions League and Adriano. They hoofed the ball up and Adriano ran onto it and scored. All <laughs> oh, for that. A wee bit um, scumbaggery. I like it. Oh, I have to be in it to win it. It's football, football you, you have to be in it to win it. Anything less than your. Oh, no. I
1: hate it's it. a results based business at the end of the day, isn't it? That's what folk will tell you.
0: Yes, exactly. What if. Right, what if you kick the ball at a player? I know we've been off on a tangent here, and I don't care, but what if you go off, uh, Some your pl- a player goes down injured and the opposing team kick the ball out, right? And then all of a sudden, you lose because you, you, you know... Uh
1: You've conceded in that kind of s- passage of play, in right. essence. Yeah,
0: Exactly, what if you lose from that, from giving the ball back? Why not just take the advantage and, and run with it? It's just uh
1: It's not as though you're responsible for an opponent player... Being down on some occasion, I uh, will.
0: True, but uh, still, I, d- I don't care. I, d- I d- if it was me, I wouldn't be giving the ball back. And I always say that, I always shout at the telly, but "Don't give them the ball." I hate, it. I hate it. Rangers, I think, did it against Celtic at Ibrox, and people are saying, "Oh, they, sh- they, should have given that ball back." No, no, they shouldn't have. They should never have given the ball back. So, aye, um, let's let's go back to where we were. Um, I know we went off on a tangent there, but Stevie May, fifty goals, big win for St Johnston. How, how much pressure is Stephen Glass under now? Because Aberdeen have suffered yet another loss in the Premiership. Uh, they've failed to win in their last seven in all competitions. This is a big issue at Aberdeen.
1: Massive. And you've touched on the winless run there. That's the first time they've gone winless in seven games since 2010, which was a run that ultimately cost Mark McGee's job. Um, and then Craig Brown comes in before a man called Derek McKinnis, which... Mm perhaps the Aberdeen fans could show a little bit more respect towards. Um, you're always told, be careful what you wish for. And I'm not being funny, but there's no way that they'd only have the Scottish Cup and league matches to play for. Mm. Um, if Dell was still there, perhaps. That's, that's all I'll say. But eight points from six games is their poorest return since 2012. And considering St Johnston had only won one of their previous eight against Aberdeen, and particularly at Pataudry, you wouldn't expect the Dons to lose. Drop points, maybe, but not for them to get beat at home. Yeah. No. Off a side that's claiming their first win.
0: Yeah, it's, it is very surprising. Um, and I think it puts some amount of pressure on Stephen Glass. Um, you know, you mentioned that Mark McGee lost his job over it um, over a, a similar run. So th- he, he, the pressure is mounting. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with your point about Derek McInnes. Not everybody's cup of tea, but... I think he did a more than acceptable job at Aberdeen, and you know won them won them trophy. So, yeah, um, let's move on. Um, we spoke about the big win for St Johnston. Let's move on to your rivals, Hibbs versus St Mirren. Hibbs and St Mirren can't be split. It's a two two draw in the capital. Is this a bad result for Hibbs, and is it a good one for the Saints? Considering St Mirren haven't won in
1: the league all season, I'd say it is a bad result for Hibs, Yeah, um, and again, particularly at home, I think that they, along with their nearby neighbours, um, will feel as though that they've missed, you know, a great opportunity to be sat at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. Um, I think for St Mirren, it's a decent point on their travels, but looking at their fixtures upcoming, there's a quartet of kind of tricky ties to come. They've got Aberdeen at home, Livingston away county away and then rangers at home so the fixtures don't get any easier um for for the saints and maybe jim goodwin could be under a bit of pressure as well i don't know i think the highs of last season i think it's has been best season since the 80s mm. both semi-finals of the domestic cups narrowly missing out on the top six um and they just haven't quite hit the heights of last season for whatever reason i think they're lacking a wee bit creativity I think maybe their hopes are too dependent on Jamie McGrath mm. um, and they don't seem to play with any kind of real width I'd, I quite liked watching St Mirren last season when they'd have Ilkay Durmus amongst others um, and I don't think they've got a real threat from the flanks certainly not that I can see
0: yeah no I'd agree with that um, St Mirren's opener um, should Macy do better for it
1: yes undoubtedly no. and as, as should Ryan Porteous um, I think that I think that Eamon Brophy has no real support whatsoever and is, you know, allowed to just wander inside as Porteous jockeys should really put a foot in to prevent him from cutting inside. Mm. And Matt Macy gets a hand to it, but his near post got to do do better for me.
0: Yeah, keepers are always criticised over letting balls in at the near post. So... the reason I asked the question was because I was like, I do think he, he does need to do better. I feel like we're going to be agreeing on this podcast a, a fair bit and I don't I don't know if I enjoy it. Um, hopefully another controversial opinion we can have is, was the challenge on Porteous enough to deem it a penalty? Um,
1: it's a bit of a weird one. Um, I don't think that Ryan Porteous actually deserved a booking for the coming together in the first place to be honest. I think that St Mirren were, you know, obviously doing their best to kind of put Hibbs off and Mm. were arguably succeeding. But it's Alan Power that initially bundles Ryan Porteous to the ground. So it's not as though he's going to foul when it's an offensive play for his team. Mm. Um, But Matt Miller's all over Ryan Porteous like a rash, isn't he? So it's it's essentially a rugby tackle without hauling him down in the end. And it's so needlessly daft you've already conceded the equaliser and you're just giving hibs the chance to go in front
0: yeah it's it's a strange one because i I was looking at it and i was like there is a bit of pulling and there is a bit you know a bit of it but i'm just like is is there enough in that forum to go down and i'm last night i was i was leaning towards there there isn't but the more you see it the more you you sort of realise Porteous knows what he's doing. He knows he's being pulled about. He knows if he goes down, he's, he's getting a penalty. So from that aspect, probably wasn't soft, but, you know, you do see these decisions not given in, in other games. So it's, it's a bit of an odd one.
1: And I hate these coming togethers at corners and set pieces. I think corners are where they're kind of most prevalent, aren't they? Um, and ultimately, you know, I can see why you do it in an attempt to put the team whose set piece it is off and try and do your best to defend, but yeah. I'd I'd just be focusing first and foremost on getting a sufficient contact on the ball when it enters the box, rather than anything that my opponents do.
0: Yeah, I mean you, you can jostle with a player, but and you can like push, but don't don't put your arms around them and, and sort of aim to the I mean the aim to be to pull them to the ground because as soon as you put if if I'm a footballer I'm in the box and someone's putting their hands on me I'm hitting the deck because of course I'm you no are. a penalty can come yeah. so. So yeah, um, I, d- I think we've came to an agreement on that one as well. This this is this is worrying. This is worrying. Uh, actually, I don't know. This is this this could be a a new change in the the chapter of our friendship where we just agree on things. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's move on to your team now. Ross County versus Hearts. I know you're desperate to talk about how great a performance this was. So I'm just going to give you the floor. Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Another 2 points drop to add to the collection.
1: Um, Look, it's not not ideal. Um, I know that Dingwall's a tricky place to go, but I think off the back of the Derby performance, I'm not going to say that Hearts had a lot of making up to do to the fans, but you'd certainly expect a little bit more cutting edge, I'll say. And whilst we've scored twice, the goals that we've leaked are very avoidable um, I think that <laughs> Liam Boyce obviously gives Hearts the lead um, and it's actually a bit of a weird one because I think he receives from Gary Mackay Steven and he obviously knows where the goalkeeper is but maybe there's a wee deflection that just evades um, Ashley Maynard Brewer in goal so that was a bit of a weird one and obviously then going 1-0 up after 10 minutes, I'm delighted and I'm thinking brilliant, this could be you know comfortable, we could grab a couple here, increase the goal difference, rah, rah, rah. And then you go and chuck that away two minutes later with conceding an equaliser almost instantly. Um, And whilst Jordan White does well to kind of hold off a few challenges, he's crowded out, he lays it back for Blair Spittle, who hits a fantastic finish um, to Craig Gordon's right-hand side. Um, And like I say, two minutes were instantly pegged back and then I'm feeling the worst. It's just... The range of emotions that you experience as a Hearts fan—it's—it's it's a genuine roller coaster. I am um, about to say that. Yeah. It's—it's honestly—it's. I actually don't think there's a more infuriating club to support, and if there is, can somebody hit me up with one? Um,
0: I will later <laughs> on. I, I will happily do that. Um, we we were speaking in the car coming up, and you were saying that the international break came at the wrong time for Hearts. Yeah. Y- explain I to everyone that. why you think that.
1: Because. It would just come off the back of a 2-0 win at Dice, a ground that we don't traditionally travel well to against a Dundee United side who I've waxed lyrical about their defensive display. To obviously then breach that twice is fantastic. We're then, you know, riding high, tied top of the league, 10 points from four games, the Edinburgh derby's to come, and yet that's interrupted for Scotland games. And I think... You know, football's all about momentum, isn't it? You can get into losing habits, you can get into winning habits, and ultimately, when you're winning every week, you just want the next game to come. And lo and behold, we had to wait a fortnight for it. It's massively kind of... I don't want to say it's been underwhelming since we've got back, but two points from as many matches against Hibs at home and Ross County away, it's not exactly the ideal return. Um, And... We've scored twice in those two, also conceded twice in those two. And like I say, the, the goals were cheap and we're ultimately punished in both matches for missed chances, which is, of course, the primary frustration.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you speak about the, the games that you came back to. You have um, Ross County. And y- that's a game Hart should be should be winning. That's a game that Hart should be comfortably winning.
1: Yeah. I, I look, I know that... It's obviously tricky up there and the journey can sometimes take it out of you, but I'm I'm with you. I think it's going to be a long, hard season for Ross County. I don't particularly rate... I was going to say any of their players. I think that's a bit harsh. They've obviously got a wee bit of quality, um, but sides like County, Livingston, I expect to be rounded about the bottom. Perhaps now Dundee and St Mirren, given we've also touched on those two um, and the starts that they've made. So against a relegation... Favorite contender um, it should be three points home or away as far as I'm concerned
0: yeah no it should um, and it's sort of the result speaks for itself when you look at the games that are coming up next you've got Livingston at home Motherwell at home and then away to Rangers Livingston picking up the first three points of the season yesterday which we'll come on to discuss a little bit later Um, Motherwell who got a point against Rangers at Ibrox yesterday and who are flying at the minute and then obviously Rangers who who are last season's champions? It's it's going to be a tough run again. Then you look at the games after that: Dundee, St Johnston, Aberdeen. It's it's going to be a bit of a a big couple of weeks for Hearts.
1: And and this was the thing. My initial concern entering the season was the first five fixtures with Celtic at home, St Mirren away, because I reckon Paisley's horrendous. Um, Aberdeen, Hibbs, and and United as well, all in there. So, th- th- I think what we're learning to or what we're discovering now and, and later as the season goes on, is that there are no real easy fixtures in this division now. I think it's a lot more competitive. I think that's reflected by just how tight the top six is, even at present. Yeah. Um. So it's set up to be a great Scottish Premiership season, but I don't know whether my ticker will be able to cope with that because there'll be some some tricky ties in there, no doubt.
0: You know, for anybody that hates roller coasters, being a football fan it, it is part and parcel of it. But I I, I totally feel your, your feeling there. Because there's games where I go into and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if my, my heart can deal with it. So no, I, I get where you're coming from. And every football fan will get where you're coming from. Um, I'm not going to try and even pronounce his name. I'm going to allow you to do it. But Ross County's keeper twice denied...
1: Armand Nandouillet or Armand Nandouillet, as I touched on on TSF.
0: Yes. Um, Which
1: I one do you want? The posh French one? Oh. Right, okay, so Armand Nandouillet.
0: Okay. How big is he becoming for hearts?
1: Um, I I like Big Nando as we refer to him as. Um, I don't think he's given a real fair crack of the whip, given Liam Boyce has been the main man and has, you know, obviously bagged another, so that hasn't helped his case, but I was surprised to see Hearts go to up front, a very attacking team, only really leaving Benny Beningame in midfield. Um, and ultimately, I don't think there can be any fault placed for missed chances amongst coaching staff. I think it's just down to players and individual decisions and um, not having that sort of killer instinct. Um, but Nanduier's, um goal contributions and assists and whatnot it, so far has been pretty impressive. And I know that. A large chunk of that was obviously in the championship, but he's bagged at Tanaday so far this season, was probably unlucky not to score up in Dingwall at the weekend. Um, and with either he or Boyce, I'd feel pretty confident heading into most games, but it's just trying to obviously cater to his strengths, which aren't of the same as Liam Boyce's. I think they're two very different players. non is probably more a target man type, Looking to try and bring others into play, whereas Boyce is often the one that kind of drops into pockets. And I, I, they're two totally different strikers, and I like both. I'm happy with both. But hopefully, there's more to come from Nongduye given Boyce's start to the season.
0: He's a bit like Ucek Piazza, not the same, but the, the sort of um, target man kind of player.
1: Hearts, hearts have always done that. You know, even back to when my dad supported them as a boy, it was Sandy Clark and John Robertson up front. Yeah, It's always been our style that we've had <laughs> a target man type up front that's never been the most prolific goal scorer, I might add. Um, and a, a little enlarged large type. Um, so, yeah, I think Nongduye and Boyce could potentially be that. But with the formation that Robbie seems to cater, I'm surprised that he moved away from the 3-4-3, given yeah. it had done us so well in the fixtures prior.
0: Okay, is time running out for Malcolm McKay?
1: Um, I wouldn't say so. I think the fixture computer hasn't been generous to them. I will say that. You know, their first six, I think they've had St Johnston last season's top four and now Hearts. So perhaps there's a favourable run to come. Um, I think they've proved now against Rangers and Hearts that they can score goals up there. Um, And obviously they nicked an equaliser at Pataudry earlier on. So they've added goals. Um, Again, my question marks would be defensively because even the Hearts goals at the weekend, you know, Liam Boyce's is cheap, albeit it takes a deflection, and Stephen Kingsley's is just a set piece. So I don't think they can really be held accountable. Mm. Um, But if they tighten up at the back and can provide for Jordan White, because he's not really off the mark either, then... There's every chance that they'll pick up points, but it's a tough task for Ross County in in my eyes. I don't think there's any real pressure on Malky MacKay as such now, given the board might be lenient with having seen those fixtures. I think that'll probably come later down
0: the line. Rangers versus Motherwell. The champions stutter at home to a sort of flying Motherwell side. How surprised were you by that result?
1: Very. Yeah. Very, given I think Rangers didn't drop a home point from the entirety of last season. Um, And, yeah, I think they'll obviously kind of look to get back to winning ways given their defeat to Leon in midweek. But that being said, Motherwell, you know, held their own, had a couple of chances. Tony Watt gave Rangers an early scare when he kind of rounds Alan McGregor before a vital interception. I think it's Connor Goldson maybe sliding in. Um, Prevents, you know, a clear opening goal. Um, And, yeah, I, I just expected a comfy Rangers win given that the record against Motherwell as well is excellent and I didn't think as though it would be a stumbling block you know last season I think Motherwell were the first opposition team to score at Ibrox and Rangers had a flurry of late goals to win the game 3-1 even if it was something of that magnitude again I wouldn't have really been surprised but to be held at home by the well is uh, yeah not the greatest of results and again it's another case of you know, what if for Rangers as it has been for both Edinburgh clubs, Aberdeen? Um, so <laughs> it's set up to be uh, a bizarre season, that's for sure.
0: No, definitely, it feels like it's going to be tighter this season than it than it was last season. Um, was Rangers' opener offside? Yes, undoubtedly. Um, I know
1: that fashion Sakala had obviously won the corner initially, yeah, and it's a decent enough stop from Liam Kelly, but is James Tavernier's corners? flicked on by Joe Aribo, there's no doubt about it for me um, he's standing in o- an offside position I think he's behind Stephen O'Donnell so you know the steel men have every right to be incensed by that um, and whether it was against the runner player or not I don't know but it's it's harsh on Motherwell
0: yeah no definitely um, should Motherwell then have a, had a penalty I heard people shouting about this on social media, saying that Motherwell should have had a penalty, um, and watching the highlights back, I I looked to see, where is this penalty shout? um, I'm glad you said it. I'm assuming, (laughs) right, and the reason I added the question in, is because I'm assuming it's the tackle that Goldson makes on Tony Watt, because there's... There's no other instance in the highlights where I've seen that there should be a penalty. As in the one I alluded to earlier, where he rounds up. Yeah. that's uh, that's No, the he, un- he the wins, only one he wins the ball for me.
1: Yeah. So. Well. So I in d- that case, no, probably
0: not. Okay. No, that's fine. I just I wanted to, to touch on it because I heard people talking about it, and I was like, I've I've yet to see any <laughs> instance of this penalty. I think that might just be wishful thinking. I don't know, or maybe I've been done and not been shown all the highlights by the uh,
1: the uh, Leaks YouTube channel. So that's you calling them out now, is it?
0: Yeah. Uh, Right. I could go on the (laughs) rant here, right? Okay. Do you know what? I'm going to because... The highlights package that you get in Scottish football is dreadful, right? You get maybe a five to six minute video on YouTube and you've got the league actually, you know, click baiting and everything. They did with Kyogo to get all these Japanese listeners in. And then you've got an actual TV programme that the camera angles that they have don't even give you a great view on some of the most controversial issues that happen in the match. So yeah, I, I think the highlights package that covers Scottish football is dreadful. And
1: they also cut out key elements. Yeah, exactly. W- w- within the games. Like, even... Th- don't want to harp on hearts too much, but obviously I will because they're my team. Yeah. But Gary McKay-Steven misses an absolute sitter. And it's not in, you know, the basic highlights package that you receive. So, look, I don't know. I, d- I don't want to call people out, but I'll gladly call out SPFL Chiefs, but nobody else.
0: Okay. I mean, we, we can leave it at that. I I don't want to call people out, but just do better. Do your job. (laughs) Um, Should Steven Gerrard be concerned about Rangers' current form, especially after the game in midweek against Lyon? Because he did say that after the game on Thursday night that Rangers were yet to hit top form. That's surely a concern. Yeah,
1: I mean, perhaps. I don't think there's any real sufficient reason to get too worked up. They're obviously still top of the league, even at this early stage of the season. Um, But no, you're right. They're certainly not at, you know, the same heights domestically as last season. And like I say, they've already lost more matches in the league than the entirety of last season. Also now dropped more points at home than the entirety of last season. But they've scraped through to the Europa League and won the old firm in the trickiest week so far this season with their COVID outbreak. So I think... Their team selection at the weekend perhaps had one eye on the League Cup in midweek because that's also, you know, a major criticism of Steven Gerrard that the only domestic honour he's won was the league title last season. So yeah. perhaps that's the case. Maybe give the players a rest after Leon. I, I'm not so sure.
0: Okay. Um, let's move on then to the, the final fixture of the the weekend. Livingston versus Celtic. Livy pick up their first three points of the season. A stat that I think a lot of people wouldn't be... Well, they would be surprised at the fact they picked it up against Celtic, but the fact that after last season and how good Livy were for a period of time and we're already in September and they're only just picking up their first three points uh, is a little bit of a surprise. Um, thoughts on that? Um,
1: look, Livingston were one of my you know relegation favourites. I did place them 12th just because the latter part of last season, they had an absolute catastrophe. Um, And I think that, you know, there was that run that they went on. What was it? Something like 13, 14 games without defeat. I think it was 12. 12 games without defeat. And they were absolutely flying. Rightly got themselves into the top six. You know, they made, what, the League Cup final as well. Um, So I don't know. It's obviously going to be tricky to emulate that. But I just think they've they've not recruited all that well, as far as I can see. Loss of a couple key players, um, and I really don't know what to expect. I think it's tricky, like I say, for these clubs to try and compete. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I, I am surprised that they've not made the most of their home advantage yet, given the surface, given that it's you know it's I don't want to sound too harsh here, but it's a grim place to go to. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, their home form is what's propelled them up the league for a good few seasons now. Yeah.
0: Um, so make home advantage count. They have yeah. they have the plastic park. They have um, you know that that advantage. I think they train on the, the surface. Yeah, I think well. that's right. Yeah. So you know it, it is a massive advantage, but unless clubs truly really have an issue with it, there's there's nothing that that can be done. I wouldn't say it's an unfair advantage. I think to their own, isn't it? There's been plastic parks um, consistently in the league since Hamilton came up in 2014. Even Kelly, I think, had a plastic park back then. Um, so it's not as if they're new and that players and clubs aren't aren't used to them because we play on them twice a season, every season for the past eight years. I don't think there can be any excuses. Yeah, they're not great to watch. Probably Livy put uh, empty black pellets into the ground to make sure that the ball doesn't bounce or uh, you know it, it bobbles more than it should so it's just about making your your home advantage count is clubs with grass parks make sure they're slippy so
1: no of course and, and when you've not got the adequate resources you do everything in your power to try and you know yeah. grind out these results and ultimately they've done exactly that here um in answer to your, your initial question i'm pretty surprised that it's taken you know quite a while for livingston to start Um, but now they've got that three points on the board you never know because it's I think the pressure is always building isn't it once you've not got that first win now they've got the monkey off their back Um, so let's just see what happens in their upcoming fixtures.
0: This I mean I I put the question in there how big a win is it? we're not going to know how big the win is until we see the the concurrent run of form but it is a massive step in the right direction especially um, against
1: Celtic Definitely, and their their record at the Tony Macaroni against Celtic is good. Um, Since their promotion in 2018, it's five games unbeaten, two wins, three draws. And I think another thing is that Andrew Shinnies' first living goal, as much as it's an absolute belter, has, again, come at the perfect time um, because it's given them that win. And just like a club in search of that first victory, I think a player in search of that first goal at their new club, the longer that that run goes on, the more pressure builds, the less likely they'll believe that it will arrive. So, yeah. first goal, first win. It's all coming up uh, perfectly for Livy.
0: I want to ask you this, and I didn't put it in the notes, but David Martindale was on the radio after the game yesterday, and he was saying that Andrew Shinney reminds him of London Dykes. Do you agree with that comparison? Does, does Andrew Shinney remind you of London Dykes? <laughs> um... Not particularly,
1: no. Um, I don't know whether he's just referring to the fact that Lyndon Dykes obviously gave, who was it, Christopher Julian, a torrid time yeah, a couple of seasons back or whatever. Um, I think that's one of those comments that he'll look back on and think he maybe he was just caught up in the heat of the moment with the victory. Um, yeah. Because I don't see how Andrew Shinney and Lyndon Dykes are similar players. I think Shinney's more of a presser. And Dykes is that target man type that we've previously been talking about. So I d- I think they're totally different footballers, but I think it's more just the comparisons between a Livy striker giving a Celtic defence yeah. a torrid time that that's arisen.
0: When you look at Livy's goal, um, Shenny does really well for it. The ball gets crossed in and I'm standing there. Um, the ball just gets whipped in right in front of me. and I'm I'm standing there and I'm like, goal. That's, that's going to be a goal. And... Stephen Welsh's positioning was, was all off because he lets the ball come in and still isn't fully in front of Shinney and by the time the ball comes to Shinney, he's, he's away. It, it's horrid defending from a player that has been dubbed the Coatbridge Cannavaro who has been so so well so played so well in in the last couple of months for Celtic.
1: I think this still highlights how poor Celtic are at the back really because yep. I, st- I still think that Stephen Welsh is <laughs> I think if you were looking at the Celtic back four the two first choice centre-halves for me and this is just as an outsider looking in, obviously there'll be folk that can give a better inclination or whatnot. but the two first choicers for me were probably going to be Cameron Carter-Vickers first yep. and foremost and probably then Stephen Welsh, I'm not overly convinced by Carl Starfelt as of yet um, I know that it's obviously early days in his Celtic career um, but when you've paid big money for the guy from Russia, it doesn't appear to me as though it's worked out as of yet. Swedish international as well, I believe. Um, so, you know, there's, there's big things that are to come from Carl Starfelt and I haven't seen them as of yet.
0: I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I remember after the the game at Tynecastle, we were having the discussion where people were saying, "Oh, that Starfelt's mince and he didn't have a great game." But I I'd still think he's a player that can come come good for Celtic. He has had some good performances, um, and I I think if he's in the team ahead of Welsh yesterday, I I don't think Celtic concede that goal. Um, it's just my view, but I I just don't. I, th- I think it was naive from from Stephen Welsh, who is only a young boy and. Is going to make mistakes, but I just think it was it was so naive. I don't know what he expected by not going towards about it. It's almost as if he w- he, w- he just waited too long. Um,
1: That's what I was going to say. I, I don't want to out anybody in particular because it's obviously early days in Carl Starfelt's Celtic career. Yeah. it's early days in Stephen Welsh's senior career. So again, I'm I'm surprised that Celtic only seem to or haven't really recruited a solid, established centre-half that has, you know, a plethora of games under his belt, really. Because even Cameron Carter-Vickers hasn't featured all that regularly.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does look really good, though. Um, no, no, he does. For me. Very um, good. He, he impressed me last week, um, last weekend against Ross County. Uh, he impressed me um in midweek, although Celtic didn't have a great game defensively in midweek I don't think any of it was down to, to Carter Vickers, he seems like a no. no-nonsense centre-back that instead of passing the ball round the back under pressure he's just going to kick the ball out and that's that's fine by me um, Celtic's third loss of the season, Hearts Rangers, now Livingston how worrying is this for Ange Postecoglou? and does the pressure the already increasing pressure on the Celtic board and the, the manager does, does that just increase that little bit more?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think that, you know, the three defeats for Celtic from their opening three away league matches, has that ever even happened before? You know, nine points from 18 is certainly not title-winning form, and I know that Celtic are obviously in transition, um, but I think as though they've perhaps just been sold that dream. It's easy to have got excited over, you know, the various park head performances. Yep. Three wins, 15 goals for, none conceded. So there's no real concerns about Celtic playing at home given they've got that wide park. Yep. They can spray it about all day, but I can't put my finger on why it's not working away from home and just yet in the league. But even then, I say just yet in the league, this is obviously in Posta Koglu's tenure. Yeah.
0: Celtic
1: haven't won away from home in the Scottish premiership since Valentine's Day. Yeah. And now we're in mid September. So, you know, it's not as though it's even like a a short term thing. This has been going on for quite a while and their way record in twenty twenty one, played eighteen, won four, drawn four and lost ten. Yeah. For a club good. of Celtic size and stature, that's nowhere near good enough.
0: No, it's not. And it's I, I said yesterday walking to the game, I said there isn't there's a sort of um aura in the, the air that today could be defining in the season and I, d- I didn't know the results at the time I just said it feels like there's there's a defining day of the season and it feels like it has come and Celtic losing to Livingston and Rangers drawing uh, with Motherwell had Celtic won they would have been within one point of Rangers as it stands they're now four
1: Yeah, another case of what if
0: Yeah, ex- exactly um, I, th- I think it's worrying for Celtic um, I think uh, Ange Postacoglu already had a really hard job when he took the job on. He's now lost Don McKay. He's now lost three away games on the bounce. Then you take in Alkmaar and uh, Real Betis. You know he's he's lost five of his away away games. I, it's it's really not not looking good um, for for Celtic, and that 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 is worrying. That that really is concerning because most people didn't expect Celtic to win the league this season but some of the football they've played has been absolutely fantastic to watch thinking, you know, before the Rangers game, Celtic played Alkmaar, um, they played Dundee they played St Mirren they played fantastic football and then went to Ibrooks and, and didn't and uh, although they played well they just couldn't find find a goal so it's it, it will be a, a huge concern for the, the board and I feel for Ange Postacoglu because people are now going to start Questioning him and, and asking w- where are we going here because it does seem as if he doesn't have a plan B. I
1: think a large factor of it is that his main summer signing has been Kyogo Furuhashi. His injury has obviously not helped. Yeah. And I think when everybody was viewing post Koglu in this recent run in such a positive light, it was primarily down to Furuhashi. Yeah. So the fact that Furuhashi's injured, obviously can't play, yeah. thus coinciding with you know Celtic's bad form.
0: The departure of and Edward.
1: Exactly. It, it it doesn't bode well for the manager, but it it's not entirely his doing. Yeah. Um.
0: No, it's, it's definitely not. But I think, and I heard that at the game yesterday, people were saying, "Well, where's the plan B?" You look at the Celtic bench. There's absolutely no depth in it. There's there's a severe lack of quality in it. Um. I, I think on the bench for Celtic yesterday there was Scott Bain. Okay, he's not going to come on anyway. He. Shouldn't be on the bench. Let's let's be honest. He shouldn't be uh, in the stadium. Um, you then have Montgomery, who don't get me wrong. I really rate Montgomery. Um, and I would have him the team ahead of Greg Taylor all day long. So from that aspect, that's good. But up front, there's no real attacking you know quality on the bench, and and that's not good enough. The Celtic bench consisted of near on a man that has been sent off twice for Celtic in the last nine months and has cost Celtic in two big games because he cost them against Mitchell and he cost them against Rangers at Highbrook. So he is essentially a man down for Celtic. Um, Mikey Johnston, a bit too injury-prone, can't change a game. Um, Ralston has been fantastic for Celtic, but, again, can't come on and change a game. Um... Liam Scales hasn't played for Celtic, so I, I can't say if he could come on and change a game. But you look at that bench, the only player that I would be happy with bringing on is, is Maya Sorrow. There, there really is no... In, in Montgomery, there really is no quality or, or, or even decent depth on the on the bench.
1: And neither of them are particularly game changers, are they? No. In an offensive sense, you know, Sorrow you'd maybe stick on to...
0: Slow the game down.
1: <laughs> run about like a headless chicken and, yeah commit fouls and yeah ultimately you know kill time kill yeah. the contest and whatnot um
0: they don't have a player like scott sinclair who could come off the bench and change a game uh he could change a game just being on the park anyway same with edward he changed the game in alkmaar he changed the game for celtic uh, against rangers in the league cup final in 2019 he, he changed he's changed the game so many times for celtic and I don't think they have that, and that—that's a big concern. But is that Ange Postacoglu's fault, or is that the Celtic board's fault for lack of recruitment? I'll, only time really will, will tell. But well, well that's what I was
1: going to say because for a club of Celtic's resources and finances, how can they not have a sufficient sc- or, or a sufficient bench for you know a standard Scottish Premiership match? Yeah. I know that there's a couple injuries to contend with them and whatnot, and um, James Forrest seemingly. I mean, is he, he's still out. Still injured. So, obviously, Mikey Johnson, I was surprised to see emerge. Forgot he'd even existed. Yeah. Um, To injury prone. And we can't we don't know
0: about the Greek striker, whose name I can't pronounce. It, see, people are calling him Gikimakis, um Giacomacus, Jackamacus. is it? It's Iacomakis.
1: Iacoma- the Greek fella, we'll
0: go with. I spoke <laughs> to a guy in Greece, and I was like, how do you pronounce it? And he was like, Iacomakis. And I was like, okay, cool. Go with
1: that. Well, well where is he? Yeah,
0: exactly, he's not here. So
1: <laughs> he's I eating some gyros. <laughs> I honestly don't understand how, just how Celtic can't adequately sign players. Yeah, like even even if Celtic are seen as a stepping stone club, which might offend a lot of folk, but that's that's true. That's, that's the view that people. If you're a, a aspiring young player now, you think. I'll go to Celtic for a couple seasons and be sold on to the Premier League as they've done for, you know... Countless others. Countless others. How can they not be in a position to have an adequate squad for these matches of young guys wanting to take that step? It's it's honestly, it's bizarre.
0: It is really, really irritating, would be the word. It's not surprising because it's been Celtic's policy for the last uh, eight, nine, years to bring players in sell them on cheaply and then not replace them that 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 is that's genuinely how it feels um but yeah listen I could I could sit here all day and and rant about Celtic and you could sit here all day and as a hearts fan happily punch Celtic so um I'm going to draw it there losing to to Livy for to give them the first three points of the season is probably you know how bad Celtic's weekend c- could really get. So we're, we're not going to help the damage that, that they have done. Um, Thank you to yourself for coming on, for driving me through here. Uh, I really appreciate that.
1: That's all right, mate. My pleasure.
0: For getting us to the GeForce Claims Studio. Um, Thank you to every single person for, for listening in. And we will be back next Monday at 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. Keep 100% of your claim, G4 Claims. If you've been hurt in a road accident that wasn't your fault, you should really talk to G4 Claims first. Unlike road accident solicitors, we don't charge you for our services, which could see you better off. To keep 100% of your compensation, have a chat with Nicole and the team. You'll be glad you did. Search online for G4 Claims. Keep 100% of your claim, G4 Claims.